Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today it's all about the iPhone 15, 15 Pro. Reviews are out. We want to talk about those, plus reviews for Apple Watch Series 9 and Ultra 2 and iOS 17. All the 17s are out for all your devices. We got to talk about all of it. I'm excited in case you can't tell. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass, and joining me is my new phone friend, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? Oh, I like what you did there. That's clever. Yes, new phone. For, well, I haven't got it yet. I'm waiting. This is the longest week of the year, isn't it? It is the it is the longest week. And I, the first thing we're going to do is talk about what we pre-ordered and our pre-order experience. Yeah. Uh, but but just just so I know right off the top, you you did pre-order a phone, didn't you? I did. Yes, I skipped last year. I honestly thought I might well skip this year when all the rumors of the prices going up were. It was right on the bubble for me. But they came in just what I had ready. I pulled the trigger yeah. and I am going to be a new phone person. Hesitated there, <laughs> but it will come. Yes, yes. Okay. It's one of the, this is one of these weird situations where we're recording before, like the day before phones come out. If, you know, if we recorded this podcast on like Friday evenings, it would be perfect for iPhone season because we would have the phones in hand. Yeah, but, but William I, and I... I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be playing with my new phone, wouldn't I? Surely. That's a, that is fair okay. enough. That I'd is fair go, enough. Uh-huh. Yeah, Ted Lasso. <laughs> great. Yeah. Mm. Damage your watch already. Uh, mm. Yes, that's what I'd be saying. Yeah, exactly. So, well, so we don't have them in hand just yet. William and I are not uh, uh, influencer enough, I guess, to get the early access. Maybe one day. Maybe one day when William, he'll get access to the uh, Apple car. That'll be the first Apple device you get <laughs> early access to, maybe. But uh, so we're going to have them in hand. But we're going to talk about the reviews because all the reviews, the embargoes have lifted. So we'll get into that. Uh, I do want to thank many of our five-star reviewers real quick because we had a bunch, many of them addressing William directly. And so I feel like this is apropos. Yeah, so okay, that that sounds so ominous. It sounds ominous, but no, they're, they're all great. They're <laughs> all five star. Well, almost all five stars. I'll get to that. But anyway, Zach six six eight from Australia. He said that you are so right about Ted Lasso. So you do have a supporter oh, over there. So they I thank you very that. much. You yeah, see, yeah. I knew, I knew we have a special bond. Clearly, yeah, yes, <laughs> clearly. And then Samio two from Great Britain, your neck of the woods. But yeah. he was uh, offended by the biscuit talk the other week. I think because I was kind of you know downplaying them or calling biscuits cookies i don't know mm. i don't know what he's offended by biscuit isn't a rude word somewhere is it i don't think so well i hope not we okay. said it a lot on that episode bleep, bleep <laughs> it go back bleep it out okay yeah, go back uh luca w12345 from australia gets up at 3 a.m to watch the apple events that's dedication yeah minjun 17 from honolulu hawaii oh. had great things to say in their review and then gave us four stars now, this might have been an accident because we had a HomeKit Insider reviewer was like, oh, I meant to give five stars, but but they give four. But they had great things to say. Yeah, keep them keen. Treat them mean. Keep them keen. That's what they're doing there. <laughs> We've got to earn that fifth uh, somehow. Oh, I see. Okay, very good. Fernand Garcia from Argentina and Brewer Texan from USA and says William should at least watch season one of Ted Lasso. So you have both one of each. You have a Ted Lasso. You have to watch season one. Another uh, agrees with you. So Dude, I worked when I was on Radio Times, like the UK TV guide. I had a, a colleague who watched all, I think it's five seasons of The Wire to find out whether she liked it. And I'm thinking, well, you've got to give up five years worth of this stuff somewhere. Draw the line. <laughs> um, a TV producer actually just a few months ago said to me, you should treat the pilot and the first episode afterwards as as the real start because there's so much change between those two but if neither of those do it for you then yeah give up yeah then you just lot else to watch <laughs> just give up that's from william yeah. gallagher trademark just give up <laughs> okay so we we're a week away from the pre-orders i'm curious your pre-order experience you, you get up at you know well i get up at like seven you wait around yeah, it just, you know, depends. Sorry, this sounds like the start of a song. Woke up on a pre-order morning. Yes, exactly. Now, I, I did the, uh, I do the two-device rule. I have the Apple Store open mm -hmm. on the iPad, and I have my iPhone constantly just quitting the Apple Store app and reopening it, just nonstop. Yes. Right at 8 a.m. Uh, before that, though, had you already chosen your configuration and saved it? I did because I'm on the Apple iPhone upgrade program. So I, I did the pre-pre-order. Oh, right. Oh, I did it. And I'm not on the upgrade program. You can go in. Oh. Up to the point of when they close the store, you can say, these are all the things I want. And the very, very last button is... Uh, something like we'll take your money later but you click it and <laughs> okay. it saves it so 
That is, I've heard some people do that as well. So, and so you did that? Yes, but then uh, on the day itself, once the store was closed, yeah, and the one o'clock for me time was coming up, I was doing the same as you, app and yes. browser on and refreshing constantly. Then the issue became, it never opened up for me for 20 minutes. Ooh. I was, it was 8.20. I was, well, actually it was about 8.15 and I couldn't get it to work. Casey Liss uh, from the ATP podcast, he suggested Sometimes you should turn off Wi-Fi and the cellular network, like whatever CDN is in the background updating that it will, you know, kick it into gear. But I was like, I'm not, I'm not waiting for this. So I I went all the way to my Mac studio. I brought out the big guns. Hang on, hang on. You went all the way. So like you, you turned a quarter turn on your desk towards the Mac studio. (laughs) No, I was, I was in the bedroom doing the, the iPhone and iPad ordering. And when it wasn't working, I walked all the way, the 30 feet or whatever. (laughs) Over to the studio. Dedication. And I said, I'm going to bring, uh, listen, that's right. I mean, uh, Luca W is watching at a 3 a.m., but I'll walk yes, over to the studio to, to order an iPhone. Well, okay, hang on. Just in terms of transit here, yeah. on Friday, I had to get to a family reunion thing very soon after all of this was over. So I was actually leapfrogging. I drove to partway there before I started working for Apple Insider that day. Then I did a lunch break and I drove a bit further. And that meant I was actually in my car writing and updating all this stuff trying to get that one o'clock opening for me 8 a.m for you one for me Uh, 106 for me i got in so okay bit special what what device Uh, it was my mac so safari browser for it yes because i remember noticing that the uh the app was substantially slower uh you never know each year it's going to be one or the other but this time there was a marked difference here for me same it was the web browser on my mac studio that finally let me in and I, it took a second to see my pre-pre-order and, and do all that. But I did finally get it in, supposedly delivering on launch day, which is, as you listen to this, today maybe, or subscribers listening to it on Thursday, tomorrow, Friday the 22nd. Now, I'm curious the model you got. I got the iPhone 15 Pro Max in blue titanium, 512 gigabytes. And we're going to talk about the colors in just a second because I have some some thoughts but that's what I ordered. What did you order, William? iPhone 15 Pro uh-huh. in natural titanium oh. with 256 gigabytes. Yeah. Now this is a this is a this is a bad sign because as you have stipulated on previous episodes, when it comes to devices, if there is a blue one, you go blue. You bleed blue. That's William Gallagher. That's his tagline. And now there was a that actually <laughs> there was is a, a blue quote. option, and you didn't do it. The, the, the whole blue thing is a 40-year-old quote that nobody else recognizes, so I can get away with it. Oh, really? And this time, I really was torn between them. I went back and forth a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know, the blue just... I think I've had a lot of blue phones in a row, and this one wow. just felt like it was one step too far. And I fancied the natural titanium color, so... Well, okay, let, let's, let's just talk about the colors right here, okay? Because... I watched I watched a lot of the reviews, not all of them, because there was quite a number of them. But I watched all the YouTube reviews. Everybody's showing off their colors. They got all the colors. Apple seemed to have sent the natural titanium and blue titanium to all the reviewers, like those two colors, Pro and Pro Max. It's like universal. Everyone. I don't know. I don't know any one reviewer that was like the blue. I like the blue better. Every single person said natural titanium is the way to go. And I'm over here sweating. <laughs> because I ordered the blue. I did the pre-pre-order. I didn't want to change my pre-pre-order like in the day prior because I was like, I don't want it to mess up. You know, I, I just didn't want to do any of that. So now I'm seeing all these reviews. There's a picture of the blue titanium one with a scratch on the side, like Ooh. floating around social media. And it's not yours. Sorry, I just associate <laughs> scratches with you, but okay. It's... Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. No, no, it is not mine. But in the scratch, you see the natural titanium shining <laughs> through. So the scratch is very obvious. Also, the fingerprints. Listen, I use a case most of the time. I was going to try to go caseless this year because the rounded edges, all the reviewers said that feels nicer. I thought blue titanium, I thought it would look good to everybody. But it seems like the blue might be a very prone to scratches and not looking good without a case. We'll see. I'm going to try it, but it does seem like the natural titanium was the color uh, to get this year, according to everybody, including you, apparently. Yeah. I did have a concern, actually, about titanium, because I remember a very long time ago now, Apple did make a power book. It would, yeah, it would have been pre-MacBook, so it was definitely a power book that had a titanium case, and it was painted, mm-hmm. and incredibly quickly, the paint would flake off, and the thing looked awful. So when they were saying titanium is fantastic, I thought, well, that's what you said last time. <laughs> 
Is it actually better? <laughs> now they're saying, isn't it grade five and they use it on Mars? And frankly, any, you know. Read the Mars rover. If, if Martians are up for it, so am I. But I had a concern. <laughs> yeah. The Mars the Mars rover thing is is especially kind of funny. But yes. well, apparently it's not. Apparently the Mars rover can get all scratched up and nobody cares. But but the uh, the phone, we'll see. <laughs> what does it collide into, though? There's no other traffic. Is there? Uh, there are a few well, rovers now, oh. and the helicopter thing. The first traffic accident on Mars, and there's no satellite for its <laughs> iPhone to call for help. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think SOS satellite would work from no. Mars. Uh, that that's you got to pay extra for that. That doesn't come free with the iPhone. So, okay, before we get to more deep on the reviews and the Apple Watches and iOS 17, because that's out too. Uh, we had this question from Jeffrey via email asking about what do you do when you get a new iPhone? So we're getting, we, William and I are both getting new iPhones Friday. They're delivering. You take it out of the box and now you have a conundrum, a choice, you, I could say. You can either do restore from iCloud backup. You could do device to device transfer restore on the new device. Or you could just go au naturel, start from scratch, just log into your iCloud account and uh, clean slate it. William, what will you be doing when you get your natural titanium iPhone 15 Pro? That is tricky. Yeah. I suspect for speed. Well, my phone is already saying, get ready for it. Do an iCloud backup and I'm yeah, likely does. to cave. <laughs> because, uh, as you were saying, I was thinking fresh install is nice. Always. I've done it on the Mac sometimes, but it's a pain to do. And all those settings and all those focus modes and all those notifications right. all undone again right. yeah i'm just gonna icloud it all that's what i'm gonna do no well, now hold on a second you do an icloud restore as opposed to the device to device transfer so device to device is over your own wi-fi network you put the two phones next to each other right and then you wait um then i could be tempted yes by that yes is it faster yeah i think it is faster i've been doing device to device transfer for the past what three or four years like from when it launched and there's a couple pretty big benefits. Number one, device to device transfer acts like an encrypted, like physical backup on your Mac, oh. meaning you don't have to log into all those apps and accounts come uh, once it's restored. And so for that reason alone, I find backup, you know, device to device smoother. I do think it is faster. I don't think it's doing it over the Wi Fi network. I think the phones actually connect directly to each other's uh, wireless connectivity. So it's not dependent on your Wi-Fi network. I think they just need to be close to each other. And that's something that the whole process actually instructs you is keep the phones close together and ideally uh, charging for the whole transfer to work. And so that would, I think, lend itself to saying it's not dependent on internet or your Wi-Fi network in the house. It's just the two devices. So the the staying logged into all your apps and accounts, I think, is a huge benefit. Yeah. I do think it's faster. And also, now that we have pass keys. And I've been leaning more on iCloud Keychain. Technically, they should sync between, like it's part of your iCloud backup and restore. So technically, if you restore from an iCloud backup, your pass keys and all your iCloud Keychain passwords and authentication codes, all that should carry over. But I feel like just that device-to-device -device transfer with all the pass keys, I, I trust that process more. I don't know if it's really founded in anything, but I also know I have one password in there. I also have a Microsoft Authenticator app that I have to use for this one account, and I don't know how that would uh, restore from iCloud backup. And usually those things work better in device-to-device. -device. And then once it's done with the device-to-device -device transfer, you get a one-tap command on the old device to just say, wipe this. And it's a then the device is now a clean slate. It's basically like an erase all content and settings. And you can, if you're doing a trade in like the iPhone upgrade program, that old iPhone is just ready to go at the end of that process. You don't have to like go back in, go to the settings, general erase and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I do it. But there are two things I don't understand, Inspector. Mm -hmm. You did mention uh, backup to Mac, which suggests it has to be on the same Wi-Fi network as the Mac. Is that right, or am I misunderstanding? Uh, well, I'm talking about physically connecting your iPhone to your Mac. Oh, I see. Sorry. Okay. Backup and restore. Because, yeah, and then even when you do that, you can choose between like regular backup or encrypted backup. And you definitely want to do encrypted backup that way because one, you set a password, but then when you restore from that encrypted backup, you stay logged into all those apps and accounts. If you do an unencrypted 
the backup like strips all that login info and then it's just that pain in the neck logging into everything once you restore. So so it sounds sensible to do that an encrypted backup to your Mac and then do device to device between the phones. Yeah, if you sound like a sensible thing, you're just not going to bother. Well, I think that is sensible. I am typically uh, too excited to wait for yeah. that. And so yes. I just do the device to device transfer. But yeah, if you want to be redundant, like in a not in a bad way, like repetitive, if you want to like have that extra level of, of protection or peace of mind, yeah, do the encrypted backup to the Mac physically and then do the device to device transfer. I think that goes well. And the other thing, sorry, you mentioned pass keys and I'm more often seeing uh, suggestions to use pass keys, but I'm always in a hurry. I'm always looking, it's like, yeah, yeah, I will. I'll look into this later and I never ever do. Do you recommend pass keys? Absolutely. I love it. I love it. And the reason why it's so good is once you enable pass key on your account, like you could do it for your Google account right now. Uh, if you have a personal Gmail account, you can log in with passkey and you create the passkey on a device. It could be your Mac, your iPad, or your iPhone. And basically it then uses biometric authentication to log you into that account. So let's say you go to google.com on your iPhone where you set up the passkey, you go to log in, you put in your email address, and then it says log in with passkey, does face ID, and you're in. That's it. Mm. And really convenient. And iCloud Keychain syncs passkeys across your devices. So if you set up the passkey on your iPhone, when you go to your Mac to google.com and log into your Google account, it will ask, do you want to log in with passkey? You can do touch ID on your magic keyboard and you're in. So the passkeys sync across. It's, I think, faster and easier and supposedly more secure as well. So I'm all about the passkeys. I have seven mm -hmm. uh, Google accounts and I loathe them. <laughs> Yeah, you know, different clients, different jobs, different times. It's yes. like suddenly it's so oh, you can't do that because you signed out. Well, I didn't sign out. Did somebody else? Oh, no, I've got to log into this one. And then when you've logged into it, no, you've got to log into the, oh, the I'm already in there and I've still got to log I in know. and stuff. Yeah, I uh, avoid this stuff. Well, especially with the uh, Google Workplace or Enterprise accounts, those sometimes like if the administrators turn on more security uh, than like just normal Google accounts. It feels like it makes you change your password every 50 seconds. Yes. You get, it logs you out every other day. <laughs> like it's, it's a mess. So yeah, but iCloud and Apple ID login now uses pass keys with iOS 17 as well. Oh, okay. So all those times you go to login iCloud.com or Apple ID and you got to put in your login and your password and then you get the two-factor authentication code. You don't have to do that anymore. You can just log in with a pass key, scan your face, Bada bing, bada boom. Mind you, I have two Apple IDs and I load that as well. I wish I just had. No, I've actually got three. There's one I don't use very much. Why can't we combine our Apple IDs? Please, Apple. <laughs> It's uh, been a long time. Listen, we gotta get we gotta get on. Yeah. Yes. Right. Anyway. <laughs> get, but I do I do want to because because you just brought it up one more time, I do have to say I've been trying to publish an Apple book, just something that I did a while ago and I just want it in the books app. And trying to set up Apple Books with an Apple ID is the most frustrating <laughs> process. I know we experienced this with the Apple Insider thing too. It is just maddening. It's like, okay, you have an Apple ID, but you can't use that one for Apple Books. And then you find one you can use. And then it's like, well, you can't use that ID with this tax information. So you got to try something else. And it is just mind boggling. I can't stand it. Publish on Kindle. Skip all the problems. <laughs> <laughs> I did. And that was a piece of cake <laughs> doing it to the Kindles. Like I did upload the EPUB. I exported it from pages. I exported an EPUB file from pages, upload it right to the Kindle publishing. I was done in like five minutes. Apple books. I don't even know. You gotta, you gotta do crazy stuff. But anyway, all right, let's talk about iPhone 15 pro. The reviews were out. iPhone 15 reviews are out there too. Basically, Hey, the camera's better because it has a bigger sensor and it has a USB-C port and the colors are like really pale. I feel like, did you gather anything else from any of these reviews? I feel like that's the 15. Nobody else seemed to actually complain about this. They just kind of mentioned it. But I, I am, I'm actually quite annoyed with the action button. Really? When the, when the action button came to the uh, Apple Watch Ultra, it was like this new control. It was an addition and it did all these things great. On the iPhone 15 Pro, it's a replacement for the, the mute button. Now, I use the mute button quite a lot. And whenever you do need it, the fact that it's there, a physical button, it's really handy. With the action button, you can still have your mute button or 
anything else. So if you want that action button to do anything, anything at all, you lose the, the whole mute option. So the only logical thing is to actually have it run a shortcut, which pops up and says, do you want to mute or do you want to do those other things? So instead of a one button press, it's now a two button thing to try to mute your thing. And you can't yes. just do that in your pocket the way you might, you know, walking into a theater. I don't understand why Apple didn't make it, um, you know, like a long press does mute unmute and a short press does the action I, I can't fathom that out at all and it feels like a, a wasted button to remind everyone the action button is not on the 15 it's only on the pro models yes the the 15 still has the mute switch but i did see several reviewers talk about they wish that you could program like a double click yeah. or triple click with the action button that would make sense supposedly if you set the action button to the mute action so it mutes your device holding it actually gives you some haptic feedback mm. when the device goes into that muted state. So supposedly, maybe if you leave the action button on the mute setting and nothing else, maybe you could do it without looking, you know, reach in your pocket, hold the action button. Oh, sure. that I, That's fine. That still works for mute, but it means the whole action button is only a mute button. Right. Or it isn't. But actually, <laughs> as you've said that, I've realized I, you could do a shortcut that is an action for something you want to do, but also mutes. So whatever action you took, it muted the phone. And then whatever action you took again, it unmuted the phone. But this is getting really piddly, isn't it? Trying to figure this out. This button that's supposed to be so fast, one step action, is not. And that's that's deeply surprising. Action does seem like a misnomer. It should be like a, a process button mm. or a multi-step button <laughs> because mm. that's what I'm going to do. Like I'm excited to try. We'll see how it feels in, in real life, but to actually program the action button to a shortcut. And one of the requests that some reviewers made and we saw on social media was it'd be great if you could make the action button do different things in a focus mode. Oh, that's clever. And that is not something. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not built into the action button right now. But I did see someone on social media suggest you can have a shortcut get the current focus mode state. So you can make an if statement that says mm. you hold the action button, it runs a shortcut, and the shortcut immediately says if focus mode is do not disturb, then do this. So you can maybe hack around it. I actually want to do it, play around with it in person, like once I have the phone to see how sure. uh, stable and consistent that works. But maybe you can actually have a pretty advanced shortcut that almost does it. But it would be better, I think, if Apple were just to say, in your focus mode settings, just like you have options for always on display and dimming the screen, have an action button a toggle in there or a setting where it says, when in do not disturb, let the action button, I don't know, open the alarms or something. Or if you're in filming mode, to be able to program it to say, open the camera. So that would be nice. We'll see if that gets added later. Some other thoughts uh, from the 15 Pro reviews. One of the big features is the camera, obviously. The 5X telephoto lens, it, I, it seemed like it was a little mixed in the reviews. Some people said the 5X looks amazing. They love being able to zoom in that far. Some said they almost would prefer the 3X and 5X, that sometimes 5X is a little too far of a zoom. Uh, but I'm excited to try. The, the photos did look good, in my opinion. Uh, some of the reviewers that took these photos. And in addition to the camera is the video side, which on the Pro models, you can now get log. And this was actually a benefit that uh, I don't, I didn't hear about, but was in that PDF, is you can lock white balance in video mode on the iPhone uh, 15 Pro. I think that is also a feature in iOS 17 and has come to the older phones as well. But locking white balance is a big deal. Mm. And the, the video side, you can of course record now to external devices, which is awesome, but you can shoot in log. Uh, now, William would like to explain log to everyone. William? I would very much like to explain log, but I don't have the faintest idea what it is. So. <laughs> right. so, so log is a, is a format. Uh, you see this a lot on mirrorless cameras. It's called S-log. Wait, wait, it's called slog, really? <laughs> You know, I have never heard that joke in the many years I've seen so many people talking about it. Yes, on Sony cameras, it's slog. I think we could end the episode right there. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I think we, we peaked. <laughs> so anyway, uh, log, it's basically a format where when you film it, it looks very gray. Uh, the actual, it's like, it's not raw, but it's capturing more dynamic range but when you bring it into a video editing application, it looks very flat. It's called a flat picture profile. So it looks extremely desaturated. 
But filmmakers like this because it then gives you more flexibility in how they want to color the footage. If they wanted this shot to look a little more green or a little more orange, they can do that without it kind of bending and warping the other colors because it's just very flat. And it has captured all the dynamic range. It's captured all those colors, but it uh, presents it in kind of just a flat grayish look. And so Final Cut Pro was actually just updated to support this log format from the iPhone 15 Pros on the desktop and Final Cut on the iPad. And the Verge video review of the iPhone 15 Pro really showed it off of what you can do now with the log filming and then color grading that after the fact. So check out their video review if you want to see that. But uh, it was really interesting. And um, I don't typically shoot in log because it's just, I'm not a filmmaker. I mean, I'm not a cinematographer. You know what I mean? I'm not doing that kind of stuff. But but it's interesting. And I think, you know, for filmmakers who want to just shoot with the iPhone, that's cool. And uh, I'm curious, since I mentioned Final Cut on iPad, have you opened that app in the last uh, six months? Just curious. No, I didn't complete the trial. I, I canceled it and then <laughs> never went back, I'm afraid. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do have a question for you there about, uh, you mentioned external devices. And I know it's the, the two Pro models, you can shoot directly to an external drive. But uh, I presume, yes. I, I saw somebody using a USB-C stick, really, yeah. for want of better. And that, that's enough. I can just plug anything like that in and it will record to it. It seems like it, I think it has to support, I don't know if it's USB 2.0 speeds or, or more. Uh, I'm, I got one that I'm going to test out when I get mine. Right. Uh, but there are some flash drives, especially the Samsung ones, that look just like a tiny little, you know, little rectangle. And you can just stick it in the iPhone and then record directly to that. You know, you can get 256, 512 gigabytes for those flash drives. It's pretty cool. I really like that because not only do you have more room, uh, but presumably once you've shot on it, you can plug it straight into your MacBook and take the footage off there. So transfer will be a lot faster. I mean, I went for the 256 gigabyte one, basically economics. Uh, I knew 128 was too tight for what I do. I would have liked more, but 256 seemed like the sweet spot. You went for 512, uh, presumably because you film a lot, but is that less of a concern now if you can do this? Um. I think it's less of a concern. I feel like, you know, you could still, if you shoot like pro raw photography and you're shooting this log footage, I feel like you're probably going to end up shooting that stuff without a USB flash drive around. Mm. Like that's one of the conveniences of just having an iPhone Mm. with this powerful cameras. You can do it whenever you want. So, you know, I think for maybe quote unquote pros or prosumers that start, you know, photographing and videoing in these higher uh, bit rate and space taking formats, I think they still need to get a larger phone. I think it'd be safer to get a larger phone. Uh, or if you're like me and you just have 1,000 podcast episodes downloaded, you know, you might want that too. Just saying. Hmm. Noted. Okay. Yeah. But I think 256, you know, I th- I'm glad they raised the the bottom tier to 256 as opposed to 128. And I think this option will help, you know, especially if you get a couple of those little flash drives. I think, yeah. I mean, I'm curious. Also, if it goes to .mov or .mp4 format for the video and like how those look in the file system, mm. but uh, we'll be testing. We'll be testing. Yeah. The moment you've tried out your USB stick, let me know because I'll just copy <laughs> you basically. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. We'll do. I do also in MKBHD's video review, he basically plugged the iPhone 15 Pro with USB-C port to various other devices to see what will charge and what won't. And it seems like obviously it will charge AirPods Pro. It can charge the uh, Apple Watch directly from the iPhone 15 Pro. That's cool. With a cable. You need a cable for all that. If you plug two 15 Pro models into each other, tethering them like an umbilical cord, then apparently the iPhones do a little handshake to see which one has more battery and will allow the more battery phone to charge the lesser battery phone. So that's cool. You know, if you and a friend want to even out your batteries, I guess. That sounds like a dull party, doesn't it? <laughs> Evening out <Yes>. your batteries. <laughs> okay. I'm curious. I'm curious if someone gets like a USB hub that just has like five USB-C ports and see if you just plug a bunch of iPhones. What will that do? That would be curious. Uh, and also, he plugged it into some Android phones. And depending on if the Android phone has like power delivery built into the port, sometimes they'll do the handshake and the iPhone will charge the Android phone, sometimes vice versa. And some of them just do nothing. So it'll be interesting to see, just plug a bunch of stuff in that port and see what happens. I think that'll be, that's that's the uh, takeaway, I think. I'm a little curious, the idea of plugging in a, a giant monitor into the phone. I'm not yes. sure of the benefits. 
of that, but... Well, you can do it. The benefit is you can do it. 4K at 60 hertz just with a USB-C cable. I actually bought on Amazon. You do do look at, if you're going to buy one of these cables, uh, do make sure it has HDMI 2.0, I believe, which some of the cheaper cables do not have that. But if you want the 4K 60, make sure you get something with a HDMI 2.0. And I got a cable, not an adapter. And this cable is USB-C on one side, HDMI on the other side. So I could just do one cable, phone to TV or phone to whatever else. I'm going to try it out and see what happens. And uh, yeah, it would be nice in like hotel rooms and stuff if they don't have this new AirPlay already. Well, if you could just plug point. your phone into like a hotel TV. I'm just wondering whether the phone will appear vertical on the screen or whether it will recognize <laughs> when you turn it to the side. William, if you play a video, I think it'll do it widescreen. I think I think it recognizes. Okay. I think iOS 17 is smart enough. We'll see. Right. I'm blaming you if it doesn't, clearly. Okay. Please, please do. So that those are the iPhone 15 Pros. We'll put a link to the article that kind of rounded them up. And I do also, before we go to iOS 17, talk about fine woven cases. Did you buy? You you go caseless, right? So you didn't buy any cases early? Didn't even look at them. Uh, I remember saying, Stephen doesn't like the word, but it turns out to be real. Okay. Uh, but that's as far as <laughs> I got. <laughs> that was my entire thought process <laughs> over fine woven cases. That was that. Oh, uh, that is right. I forgot that it was with you. I, I was talking about the uh, the Pascal case fine woven. Yeah, you were going to do something. If, if it turned out to be real, you were going to eat something or send me an ipad or something i can't remember now something like what that. it was I'll have to listen uh, back yeah i don't remember yes of course we can just listen back and there's the evidence the proof <laughs> all right the proof <laughs> okay. all right sherlock well yeah so we'll have to listen back to see what i actually said but i got one of these capital f capital w fine woven cases i tried to do a video very quickly as soon as i got it it arrived thursday i believe which you know i ordered it tuesday got here thursday it was pretty quick and I had a pretty tempered reaction. I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. It is not as nice as leather, but maybe it's okay. Sides feel a little plasticky. I don't know. And then subsequent YouTube videos have gone up from other creators. And there's this one guy, I'll, I'll put his video in the show notes because it is just, um, it is three minutes and it is a wonderful take. And he basically rips it apart. Like he literally rips the cloth off the case and reveals that there's a like padding. Like there's a little like uh, memory foam layer underneath the fine woven material layer and to make it feel thicker and more premium than it actually is. And so that was interesting. And there's one on the inside and outside of the case. And he's basically like, this is really cheap. He scratches it with his nail. It shows marks very easily. And it is totally not the $60 premium case that the leather cases were. And uh, there's a bunch of other reactions on social media too. It seems like the fine woven is universally meh. <laughs> it is just meh. Uh, people who don't like it. I'm going to try it once I get my phone just to see how it feels with a phone in the case. Hmm. Not not uh, received well, it seems like, universally. Oh, I, I was hearing that cases for the iPhone 14 range uh, pretty much fit the 15. There's incredibly small differences. Uh, are you not able to try whatever your current phone is in the one just to see what that's like? Well, the 15 and 14 is one thing, but the 15 Pro and Pro Max to the 14 Pro and Pro Max, the physical devices are smaller oh, because right. the bezels yes. are less, but the screens is the same size. So the physical dimensions of the newer phones are less. So you won't be able to fit a 14 Pro or Pro Max in a 15 Pro Pro Max case. But I have the 14 Pro and I'm getting a 15 Pro Max. Hmm. So I can't, it, uh, you know, it, it fits in the case. But. Because, well, it would, it would jiggle about a bit, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, so possibly not that good. Yeah. It jiggles about a bit. Yeah. Yes, it does. Okay. <laughs> yes, it does. So that's the case with the fine woven case. I, I would recommend trying to get a case. I still recommend the silicone, the fine woven, maybe go to a store and feel it before buying it and then having to return it. But it, it's, it's me. That's all I have to say about that. As a musician myself, I'm always inspired by hearing from fellow musicians, especially some of the incredible ones like Yo-Yo Ma. Me and my wife actually recently watched Yo-Yo Ma's masterclass where he teaches music and connection. And it is just not only a wonderful watch, it's entertaining, but I just felt inspired and helped me connect even more to music that I love. And that's what happens when you join masterclass. You can learn from the best to become your best anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Annual memberships start at just $10 a month and you get unlimited access to every instructor, thousands of online lessons, exclusive content, insights, 
and much more. There are over 180 classes to pick from. Whether you want to learn acting from Samuel L. Jackson, you want to learn about astronomy and space from Neil deGrasse Tyson, or one of my favorite courses, which is Chris Voss and the Art of Negotiation. I read his book, but honestly, his masterclass is even better. Being able to hear it from him himself, whether you were a freelancer or you just want to work on your communication in the workplace and at home, honestly, the Art of Negotiation and those communication skills that he teaches are invaluable. You can gain skills in as little as 10 minutes and you can watch it either on your phone, your computer, your iPad, your smart TV. Maybe you're watching on a lunch break and each video is about 10 or 15 minutes long so you can do that. Maybe you need to hop in the car Well, when you're on your phone, you can just slip it into audio only mode and now it's like you're listening to a podcast. So cool. And you can get unlimited access to every class right now as an Apple Insider listener. You can get 15% off when you go to masterclass.com slash Apple Insider 15. That's masterclass.com slash Apple Insider 15 for 15% off an annual membership. That's masterclass.com slash Apple Insider 15. And that link is in the show notes. You can just click it there. Our thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode. iOS 17 is out now for everyone. I was running the beta on my iPad and a side phone, not my main phone. So I am now experiencing all the benefits, all the features of iOS 17 on my main devices. Were you running the beta on your phone as well? I think yes. you were, right? By the end, I was in order to test uh, cross-platform stuff, you know. It was a serious job. It wasn't because I just fancied <laughs> it. No. What are you saying? Yeah, I've been running the beta. I think I still, sure. I still am running the beta. I should probably come off the beta at this stage. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's the thing. I know this is, I understand how this works. So you don't have to, you don't have to send me tweets about this. But when I, when you run the beta, like on my iPad, the release candidate comes out, which came out right after the event, right? Yeah. So you can update your device to the quote unquote release candidate. But let's say, for instance, you're done with betas because beta season's over. You don't want any more betas on your device. So you turn beta updates off, which is now just a little setting in a menu yeah. in the settings app, general software update, turn off beta updates. So I did that on my iPad. But come Monday, when the iOS 17 and all the official softwares are released, you see nothing. My iPad sees no update because it thinks it's already on iOS 17, because technically the release candidate is the same update as the public release that comes out on Monday. And I, under I understand this, but I, I still just, I want to feel like I'm off the beta. You know what I mean? I just want to feel like the beta's gone. I feel like it's still on there. Yeah. Even though I know technically it's pretty much the same. I just, I wanted to, I want to do it. So anyway, that, that's what I did. Give it a couple of hours and there'll be iOS 17.0.1 or something. And then, <laughs> then you'll feel fine. Yeah, I know. I know you're right. So I did turn off beta updates on everything. So no more. I'm on the public releases. But iOS 17 on my main iPhone, it's pretty cool. Hmm. You know, everyone was like singing the praises of standby mode over the summer. And because I didn't have it on my main iPhone, I didn't really experience the, the wonders of standby mode myself. And I have to say, I, I do enjoy it. I do really like it. There's some quirks that I've been experiencing, but I'm curious since you've lived with it a little longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has standby mode like changed your life? I'm currently on an iPhone 13 Pro, so standby mode is there, but it's completely worthless. It has it only works when your phone is the one that is capable of having an always-on screen. So it will go into standby, mm. and a few moments later, it'll go off battery. So worthless. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm excited to hear your reaction to an always-on display in general, and then now to standby mode. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I know you weren't keen, but I, I look at my iPhone. I tap my phone so often. That's one thing. I'm. I remember I'm going from a 13, so some of the new benefits I'm looking forward to are actually the ones that came in the 14, to so always on and the dynamic island right. things like that. So yes. it's going to be fun, isn't it? Exciting. It's very. It's very exciting. So I, I mean, I like standby mode. I've just had it for a few days as we're recording. You know, I basically put a clock on there. Underscore David Smith and his app Widget Smith has already been updated and offers standby mode widgets, which is really cool. You can do, you know, either a single image or a bunch of other things. So that's fun. Fantastical has been updated. So they have widgets in standby mode as well. The one uh, widget I was excited about for standby mode is HomeKit because you can have a HomeKit widget now in standby mode, you can have it as recommendations, or you can choose specific devices and scenes to have on your standby mode widget. That is what I want to do because I have many scenes and devices and the suggestions are not going to know what I want to do when I tap my phone. And for some reason, I think this is a bug, but every time I turn off recommendations and try to add individual HomeKit devices, 
it glitches out and just goes back to the standby mode main screen out of editing mode and saves none of my changes. So I don't know what to do about that. Well, there you go. Clearly, that's a reason why there should be iOS 17.0.1 very, very soon. For sure. Fixing exactly yes, I, this kind of thing. There you go. I do agree. Yeah. And usually those bug fixes come out quickly. So I'm looking forward to that. But oh, I'll be more excited when, when that stuff gets fixed. It looks great. I think standby mode looks awesome uh, just on the phone. There is a motion to wake. So you can actually have it where any motion that the phone detects will actually turn on the screen if you have always on turned yeah. off. And I do find it to be pretty sensitive. Like I, I feel like sometimes I just breathe in the direction and it, it, you know, maybe I breathe heavily and it turns on because it thinks it detected motion, but it's a cool feature. Uh, you know, if you just want to knock your nightstand to turn on your phone, you could do that, which I feel like maybe you would do, William. I don't know. I'm not sure that sense is there. I don't know what it is that's doing it, but I remember hearing that somebody saying uh, it intelligently dims until it sees someone in the room and then brightens. Yeah. And that's got to be something in the face ID centers or whatever else is in there. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, it's been pretty cool. The new ringtones I've actually really enjoyed. I've set some new ringtones and text tones up. I feel like you probably don't do a lot of ringtone stuff, do you? Or do you? So many years ago, I personalized the ringtone. I made it. Uh, this is um, the same ringing bell sound that was used in all the old Universal TV shows like Columbo and Macmillan Wife, Banachek, right. all of those. I got that actual ringing sound, and so I use that for everything. Okay, well, there you go. You got that. I like the new sounds. They sound good. Uh, also, the iCloud login and passkey logins and all that, very cool. And I also went in, like in that PDF, I mentioned this in last week, some of these like very small changes, hidden features. I'm curious, do you do audio messages, William? Or or are you subjected to people sending you audio messages and messages? I have one friend who tends to send me audio messages over WhatsApp, but she's a radio presenter and a writer. And oh. it's like, she's got this fantastic voice and she's so eloquent. I know it's off the cuff. She's just very quickly doing it, but it still sounds perfect like she's made you a little show and i i can't get enough of that uh, but i type back because i can never match that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I i've never sent an audio message i don't think in my life but if you receive audio messages now you can actually listen to them at 2x speed you can actually do like 1.2 1.5 yeah ruin it no no well i mean you have your radio person sending you audio messages but if it's just some long audio message from somebody you hold the play button no no no, no if it's some long message you just don't bother listening to it just don't bother okay <laughs> okay okay uh -huh. sure that's an uh, that's an option as well if, if you'd like to do that but uh, that looked pretty cool I also tried this out is a search in videos. Oh. So videos in your photo library, you can search for words or objects and spotlight and the search in the photos app will show you results from videos of things you're searching. Goodness. Uh, it's amazing. And so I searched uh, for the words happy birthday and there's been a few videos that came up and because it had happy birthday, like one of those signs in the background and the little scrubber at the bottom will actually have a small highlighted blue section telling you where the result from that search is in the video. So you could scrub exactly to that point in the video. It's amazing. That's crazy. That's a, I love it. Yes. I love it too. Like it is wild. Like it is wild. And you can even do like lift subject from background in videos now. Hmm. It, it's amazing. Visual lookup. It, it's all, it's awesome. You can do the laundry symbols. You can also get recipes from a food photo. Like you could take a picture of chicken Parmesan and then it will literally give you recipes from the internet for chicken Parmesan. Like wow. wild. <laughs> it is, it is wild. It is wild stuff. Honestly, yes. like really cool, a less wild, but just as appreciated. You can now create HTML links in the mail app. <laughs> you can finally select text in the mail app that you've written in an email. And when you select the text in the contextual little pop-up, you can do add link and you can literally make text uh, a hyperlink without having to paste the full link. Oh, Finally. okay. You know what I'm talking about? But I used to, well, I used to select some text to Apple K and it will pop up, letting me pop a, a URL in. The That's on the, on the Mac, but on the phone oh. or on the iPad, there was not a way to do this. Goodness. Well, I clearly never tried it on either of those devices. What have <laughs> I been doing with my time? Well, okay. you, you're, you got your 50 inch widescreen monitor, so you're not writing emails on a phone. Well, you're, you're going full screen on that compose window in 50 inch uh, glory. You can undo home screen app moves. So if you move an app and you messed up where you put it, you can shake your phone or do a three finger tap and undo the move. 
on the home screen, nice. which is very cool. I keep dragging them in and it tries to put it into a folder next to the place I want it to go and stuff. And yeah. Then, yeah. Okay. I still miss the days where you could manage your home screen layout from your Mac. Do you remember that? Oh, good grief. I do now you've said it, but I had totally forgotten that. How long ago was that? Yes. It was iTunes. It was in iTunes. You connected your phone to your Mac. iTunes opened up. And there was a little tab where yes. you could move the apps around in the on the Mac. And it was glorious. There was, yeah, I did that. Yes. Absolutely. It was accurate. You didn't have to worry about jiggle mode or, or blowing the apps all over the place. It was pretty, pretty nice, I have to say. So anyway, that's iOS 17. Did you have anything from iOS 17 that, that stood out or that you love? Well, I, I'm, the things I'm curious about, uh, I'm not certain what I think yet of the contact posters uh, because... Yeah. Contact posters, you can set what you like, your picture, your name. And then when you phone someone in your contacts list, they see your choice of photo and name. But I'm thinking, let's say I phone somebody who doesn't like me and they have a, a ringtone of some devilish music and the picture they have for me is the ugliest one they found and instead of William, it's, oh, God, not him again or something. And I've just overridden <laughs> that. It feels wrong. You know, It's invasive somehow. Yeah, it it does. Someone could also like I could make my my contact poster just a picture of Iron Man or something, which would not be helpful. But oh, that's what you mean? Yes. Okay. The number you of times I mean? people on Facebook have contacted me, a friend requests and things. I'm thinking it's a slightly familiar name, but I go to the Facebook profile to look, and there's a picture of a rose or a cat or something, and I'm thinking I truly don't know who they are, and I can't find out. And why are they doing this to me? And I'm worrying. No, and I, if it's a flower, yeah. I accept it. If it's a cat, I don't. It's a rule, okay? <laughs> if it's a cat, you don't. You've got to have a rule. Like rule. You know, it could have been either way. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way it went. Absolutely. You know? yeah. I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. Last thing on the iPhone, the ultra-wideband second generation, otherwise known as the U2 chip, with or without you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the, U, the U2 chip, apparently, if you have... Obviously, the new Series 9 or Ultra 2 and an iPhone 15 or 15 Pro, you can do the Precision Find My Apple Watch to phone. But we did have a question asking from a listener, will it work with older phones? And they sent me the article. I didn't realize the Ultra Wideband chip started with the iPhone 11. The iPhone 11 actually has an Ultra Wideband chip. And it seems like from the video reviews, if you have a a Series 9 or Ultra 2 watch, but you have an older iPhone, like an 11 with an Ultra Wideband, the Precision Find My does not work. Um, you have to have an right. iPhone 15 or 15 Pro and a new Apple Watch in order for the Precision Find My from watch to phone to work. Does that make sense? Yeah, and actually this might also explain why I can't get Find Your Siri Remote to work. Because for that, you, you need a Siri Remote there, but you also need you a do. tvOS 17, which I've got. You need iOS 17, yes. which I've got. And uh, yeah. it simply doesn't work. It just goes on saying, uh, oh. move closer. And yeah, you know, I've got, I'm holding the Siri Remote in one hand and the phone in the other, and it's saying, nope, not a sign of it. And that would fit, <laughs> well. wouldn't it? Although precision finding is supposed to be more precise. It's not that the old one didn't work at all. <laughs> Is it? So there might be something else right. going on here. But Well, yeah. I, I did the Apple TV remote Find My yesterday, and I got the same thing. There's no arrow on the phone pointing to the remote, but I think that's because there's actually not an ultra-wideband chip in the remote. No. The remote is using the, the Bluetooth signal as a proximity, like how close it is to the phone, yeah. but it is not like using an AirTag. And so I don't think it is the iPhone 13 versus iPhone 15 and the Apple TV remote. I think it's the Apple TV remote that lacks the U1 chip. So basically you're saying it doesn't work. <laughs> and my and your experience it seems to not work okay. very well. Okay. Uh so but I did experience the same thing. Like I I did it. I was looking at my phone and it was like it's around. The TV remote is around. And when I put my phone like basically on top of the TV remote it was like you're here. I was like okay, well, yeah, thanks. I don't know. Oh, I didn't get even that close. Really? Uh, you know this thing where you open the TV? So you've got to have all these devices, but on your phone, then you control center, you open the TV remote in there, you choose your TV set. Right. If you have an Apple remote and all this is working, there should be a find button next to the drop-down Apple TV thing. Right. And I was finding if I just restarted the phone or I just restarted the Apple TV, it was there, but then it was gone again. Mm. So this is, pr- hopefully this is just a beta thing. It's a couple of weeks since I tried it. So. I but that was several months into the process so you'd have thought it doesn't work at all 
might have been addressed. <laughs> Well, and this feature took a while to hit the betas, so it, it could be buggy right now. Maybe it'll be fixed soon. I also want to say, as I was playing around with tvOS 17, if you have restrictions turned on on an Apple TV, which is you could set a restrictions passcode and then set like age limits on apps, movies, TV shows before you had to enter the passcode. And sometimes doing that, if you had all your kids in the room, could be precarious. Like it might be easy to see you typing it in on your phone, or especially if you do it on the TV, scrolling to each number. Mm. But now with tvOS 17 and iOS 17, you can turn on bypass from device and you can, in the restriction setting, choose what people's iPhone and iCloud account can bypass the restrictions using like face ID. And so when I want to go into an app that might be restricted, I can just lift my phone and I can say approve and I'm in. I don't have to do the passcode at all, either on my phone or on the Apple TV. It just knows like my device with my iCloud account is set up to bypass those restrictions and I don't do the passcode. So that's a pretty cool feature. So all a child has to do is pick up your phone, tap you on the shoulder, and when you turn around, have your <laughs> phone in front of your face and the app where it unlocks. That was actually done to me once. but yeah, Really? I was very, yeah, I was so impressed. A very young writer was doing it. As, not to get into anything, but just as a gag to show me that it worked. Right, right. And I thought that was really clever. <laughs> That is clever. I, basically, I've made it a, a rule. Whenever someone taps me on the shoulder, I turn around with my eyes closed. Oh, I turn around the other way automatically. Um, <laughs> and that. run. You turn around and run. That's the initial reaction. Yeah, and so that that is a flaw in the, in the system. But anyway, uh, let's do the Apple Watch stuff really quick because I have got to hear your thoughts on the environmental video from the event. Mm. Uh, everyone is is dying to really? <laughs> they're not dying to know okay. they are they they wanted to know because uh, uh you had a piece that you wrote about it yeah. but anyway uh, very quickly uh watch series nine and ultra two video reviews are out i'm gonna link to lexi's video from cnet i think she did a great job breaking down the minor differences between the ultra two and the ultra one she brought them into like a little cave showed how the ultra two is brighter pretty cool Talked about the Precision Find My already. Do you want to mention watchOS 10, which I didn't run any watchOS betas the entire summer, and now I'm running it. I love the new Now Playing screen on the watch. Oh, no, come on, come on. You forget that. It's what? the Snoopy face you want. That's the whole well, point of watchOS 10. <laughs> Snoopy is fine, but, William, it shows the custom episode artwork from the podcast on the watch. You can see custom episode work on the watch. And if you tap it, you can hide the controls, tap again to reveal them. Shows your a YouTube thumbnail on the watch if you're watching something on your phone. Like, I think it's very cool, I have to say. The widgets where you like scroll on the on the crown and you bring the little widget list up, I find that less useful. I don't think I've really done it. I keep forgetting it's there. Yeah, that, that will be good, but I don't get around to it. So I don't know why. Same, same. So yeah, that remains to be seen how useful it is. And also the, the Siri health commands and also the double tap on the ultra two and series nine like this is not available immediately you have to wait for a software update probably later this fall so can't really test that uh lexi did say that the accuracy for siri is slightly better uh because it's on device processing for siri didn't seem to be much faster but it does seem to be more accurate with dictation and commands so again you could check out that video and we did have a listener on Mastodon asking us, uh, Darren on Mastodon was saying that email notifications don't seem to be coming through on the Apple Watch since watchOS 10. I don't have mail notifications on my watch. So listeners, if you've been experiencing that, let us know, let Darren know. And uh, I just think there's a bunch of bugs and we're just have to wait for that 0.0.1 update and we'll see a lot of these fixes. But that was pretty much it on the watch. Pretty minor. Did you have any watch thoughts, watchOS 10 thoughts or? Snoopy's great. I like Snoopy. Well, there you go. Okay, there you go. Considered review, Snoopy. All right, William, we, we, I just have to spend a few minutes because okay. I, I just I just want to hear from you. I just want to hear from you. The Apple event happened. We had the environmental video and uh, Mother Earth or Mother Nature came and, and did her thing. Mm -hmm. well, what did you feel about it, William? Okay, I'm actually surprised and I'm a little disappointed. That I wrote a piece criticizing it and I've had a lot of criticism for it. But the criticism really? has always been that this was an important thing for Apple to say and that therefore I shouldn't criticize it. But I feel, yes, it was important. And that's another reason why it should have been done better. It was a really good idea about uh, a way to showcase Apple's actually very impressive environmental work but it that's one idea and it they stretched it to it was over five minutes five minutes and a few seconds yeah. i think and it was 
cringing. I mean, the production values were good. The choice of lenses was really interesting. The long distance stuff for it. Uh, certain bits were handheld to add a little tiny bit of tension. Other bits weren't. All of that, well directed, well shot. But it just seemed incredibly amateur to me that nobody mm. would accept that any one of these great ideas was too much. They could have just picked two and in and out, done. And I know that wouldn't have been the whole picture, mm. but it would have conveyed those and it would have given the overall message that Apple is doing this very important thing. And instead, it just got cringier all the time. You could practically cue the dialogue by the end. And I just felt... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Tim Cook was fine in it. Lisa Jackson, I don't know if they have any acting experience before. They were fine. They were a bit were blown out of the water, uh, but, you know, by actual actors there. But who wouldn't be? Octavia Spence, that's the, word, the name I'm looking for. She yes. was excellent for it. She was excellent. Every yes. individual bit, superbly well done. And what you would expect from Apple, who's... I honestly think Apple did an amazing job going from doing live events to producing world-class videos for this. But in this one case, they they should have had a writer who said, no, this is too much. And I don't know what's going on, because this was presumably made while the Writers Guild strike was on. Right. Uh, no TV show could have made it during this time. But uh, that's the thought. Is Octavia Spencer in SAG-AFTRA? Maybe it was filmed longer ago than I thought. I don't know. But it felt like it was... I just did a thing where... Uh, I can't explain this quickly. Um, I did something very positive about something. But the person I did it positively about wanted more. And I felt that if you did more, it became noticeable it became a pen I actually in that case I became a shill for them I meant all the good things I said but you pile it on and you reduce rather than increase the benefit of it so in this case a really really important thing was diluted was reduced mm. by the extended length and I think that's a terrible shame okay I get that now just to be clear you didn't just read the script right you actually watched the skit yes <laughs> that's right I just watched it <laughs> <laughs> okay, just making sure. Do you think, you know, in seriousness, do you think it was mostly the length? Like it should have just been shorter? Without question. Uh, the length was the problem. Uh, the rep okay. repetition of it. I mean, you need to earn the length. Um, I, these days, this doesn't matter so much, but when on broadcast television, when you had 22 and a half minutes for a sitcom, you made every frame count of it and i think uh, i you said about reading scripts um i would read original drafts of the script and then see the edited version and the necessity of cutting it down when they're done right made a much better thing than the slightly flabbier script nobody edited this nobody mm. had the nerve to say this is going on too long and that's the only thing that was wrong with it but it's so important that it undermined the whole thing you kind of stop mm. listening after a bit and that's hardly what you want in the middle of any production let alone one in the middle of a launch video i, I honestly did tune out eventually too because i was taking notes and posting on social media and i was like yeah wow this is still going on and yes. it did feel like with that plus lisa jackson's section where she was in front of the solar panels like that was many many minutes <laughs> both the, the the short film and the yeah i was i was fine i mean i, I a lot of respect for lisa jackson i love what apple's doing oh, with this so if it had been just her piece to camera, like every other piece to camera, right. I, I wouldn't have even thought about it. I would have just you know, taken the information in. But this was such an unusual thing. And I think in this one truly vital respect was badly done that it kind of undermined all the goodness of it. One of the suggestions I made last week was, do you think if they had flipped this video and the intro video that talked about all the people whose lives were saved with SOS and heart and all that, if they had flipped those videos, so this was the first one, and then that emotional video was in the middle. Would that have would it played would have played better? No. There at the beginning. No. Alexander? The opening video was superb. I thought it was very it moving. Was. It was much oh, yeah. much shorter. And I think I noticed about it was actually in direct opposition to the the long environmental one. What I thought was tremendous about the opening one is that none of the people featured said the word Apple or named the device that they use them. You know Microsoft or Samsung would have had them holding up 
the packaging for the device <laughs> and they didn't do it. Right. Apple knew that just telling that human story in that frame where we knew it was an Apple device that did it lifts everything. And it also makes it about the people, not the devices. And that connection is deeply important. Uh, so I thought they did a stunning job with that. They always do a great job, except with the environmental video. But apart from that, it was great. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, th I think you're right. It was long and I think that's kind of been universally said and it's, when it's self-congratulatory the longer that is i think the more ugh, it feels yeah uh, plus it, it was meant to be funny and it was a funny idea but it funny doesn't last you know when we had mm. uh mission impossible stunts with tim cook for example that was quite witty and they set it up nicely but it was over and out one gag in and out this was the same joke all the way through and that that became painful i thought by the end mm. No, that's a that's a good point. Well, all right. That that was William's thoughts, everybody. I know everybody wants to hear, and I think that's you can't end on a downer though. Think of something nice. We've got iPhones coming. Yay! <laughs> we have. I'm excited for my iPhone. I'm excited to try the action button. I'm going to plug so many different things into that USB C port that it's just just so curious what that's going to look like. So actually, sorry, did you say you're going from a 14 Pro to a 15 Pro Max? Is that, did I get that right? Yes, that's right. I'm going to be doing the Max phone for the first time. Well, I'm really curious to know what you think of the size of it because I was, yeah. I, I had a 10s Max and I liked it. Then I went to an 11 Pro and I loved that. And for me, that was it, never going bigger. But now that the bigger is slightly smaller, I'm wondering, is there a sweet spot where actually it's easier to handle in the hand, so to speak, uh, than it used to be? And that might change my mind. I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie because the last time I tried a big phone was like you, the 10s Max. I returned that after a week because wow. I couldn't, it was too big. So I am uh, concerned. I'm concerned to see how it does long term. I'm glad it's the physical dimensions are a little smaller. I'm hoping that makes it a little easier uh, to manage, but we will see. My pinky is probably going to be hurting uh, <laughs> pretty bad, pretty bad uh, pretty soon. So we'll, we'll see. But I'm excited. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the blue titanium. I'm going to see what it's. Uh, See how easily it scratches or doesn't. Hopefully, oh, I think. Please don't try it. Don't try. No, I'm not going to try it. No way. No, no, no. You're just going to go through your normal day and count the scratches at the end. Is that how it's going to be? I think I'm going to try and go caseless, and then uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, let us know, listeners. What did you get? Are you excited for it? Did you go blue? If there's any blue out there, let me know. You got a blue titanium one. You could message and at William and I on all the different uh, platforms. And of course, you can support the show to get early access and an ad-free version at patreon.com slash appleinsider and directly in Apple Podcasts. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll talk next time on the iPhone 15 Pro and I'll be having the Ultra 2. It'll be a fun show next week as well. So talk to you then. Ta-ta. I don't know why. I never say ta-ta. Well, you have now. So ta-ta to you too. Well, I have okay. no, Well, I have no. <laughs>